Hey, Beauty Needs Me family. Welcome to another episode. I'm one of your co-hosts, Duni Odumasu. And I'm Talia Griffin. Our guest today is lifestyle influencer, Honestly Kate. Kate has amassed a following of over 200,000 by using her platform to promote positivity and authenticity. In this episode, we will talk about how Kate has grown her business over the past three years, her becoming more comfortable expressing her views and beliefs on her platform, and the beauty, skin, and hair products she loves the most. As always, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on IG at Beauty Needs Me and email us your suggestions and comments at beautyneedsme at gmail.com. Remember, we are still recording remotely, so please excuse any audio inconsistency. Enjoy! When it comes to like skincare and makeup, my mom actually doesn't wear any. Like any makeup, like she's definitely into skincare, but she always from such a young age, like says beauty, like really ingrained in my soul that beauty comes from the inside out and that you have to be happy with yourself before you can be happy for anyone else or with anyone else. And so from such a young age, she would always um, like encourage me to just be who I was, um, rock the skin I was in, whether I had acne or whatever was going on just made me feel really confident. Um, but I always loved theater and costume design and costume makeup. And so that's actually kind of how I got into the beauty world to begin with because of my theater background. Oh, that's so interesting. So did you major in like costume design in in undergrad? Um, I majored in theater production with a concentration in costume design. And so with costume design, you're obviously doing a lot of the design for plays and um, musicals, but I was also doing a lot of costume makeup. And then I also did communications, which kind of melded the two together, which is how I created Honestly Kate. Wow. Wow. So that's interesting about your mom really stressing skincare, accepting who you are, however you are, which Talia and I actually talked about that a bit in our last episode, that was a real instrumental part of our journeys with beauty. So how has your idea of beauty evolved over the years? Especially given that you're, you know, you're part of this world with theater and and your work currently um, as a really huge Instagram, well, not just Instagram, but as an influencer, you know, walk us through that evolution. I mean, there's so much that goes that went into it, but pretty much I would say to sum it up, I have always just been so intrigued with colors and production and with everything that goes into making a product. And I guess it also really stems from theater. I just love the production side of everything. I love the production side of design. Um, I love the production side of music and skincare, beauty, like anything that goes into it. And so I always was really intrigued with interviewing different entrepreneurs and asking them how they even started their company and what product they started with and how they even got there and what ingredients they used to put into the product. And I started experimenting on my own face. And I am like the first to say I am so bad at doing my own makeup, but I love to experiment. Like I just, it's just not my forte. Like I much rather 
work with a makeup artist who I find so inspiring and, and just like fun to be around and play around with my face. But because I've worked with so many makeup artists for work, I have learned like incredible techniques that I would have never known. And I just think it's all about playing around with your face. Every single person has a different face. Every person's going to want, every person's going to want different contours, different highlighters, different colors, just to match your skin tone, to match your face shape, whatever it is. And I've just thought that there's nothing else in the world that is so unique than beauty and skincare, because every single person is going to have a different skin type, um, oily company everyone has differences and that's the one thing that goes into it that you're not going to go to a store and be like I want that color because I saw so-and-so wearing that color in her lips right. because that color is going to look different on you depending on what your face shape is skin color eye color whatever it is and I just thought there's something so unique about that and different and it's unlike anything else in the world that's so true now, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but that you actually studied acting at the William Esper studio. Um, oh, and that's where, how we're connected. I know. <laughs> um, but why did you decide not to pursue a career in acting? I was in the William Esper studio, and I had started this account called Honestly Kate on the side just as a a hobby because I was um, shadowing a few costume designers on the side and it really took off when I was halfway through the program and I finished the program but I was running this business on the side and it was really hard for me to do both Um, I know that's a good problem so I'm not complaining but I kind of just said you know I'm gonna try this and now we are here three years later and I'm still trying it (laughs) and that's kind of why I didn't pursue a career in acting. Not that I think my dream would eventually be to be a costume designer for a Broadway show, because I think that really melds my two worlds together. And that's what I love. I love, although I love to sing and I love to act, I really just am so intrigued by the production side. Wait a minute, Kate. I did not know that you could sing. Um, Let's, let's hear uh, your version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. (laughs) <laughs> go Kate go Kate go Kate <laughs> literally I, it's so funny because I used to so I got into theater because of singing so I would do singing competitions as a child and this was like my my thing and it's funny because in the William Esper Conservatory they really don't focus on singing at all I don't know if it's different <laughs> now but when I was there there was no there was voice class, but there was no singing. And I just, I stopped taking private lessons. I stopped kind of everything. And I, it's my, even my boyfriend, we've been together a year and a half and he's only heard me sing one time. And it was on our first date because I got so drunk and I took him (laughs) to my favorite Broadway bar, Marie's crisis. I feel like I'm giving away a hidden secret to people not in the theater world, but I got up and I started belting out my favorite songs, like like he's videos, like I was going for it. I like was singing so hard that I ended up biting my lip and was like bleeding down my face. <laughs> it was such, I, he's like, you never sing for me anymore. I'm like, you had enough, like <laughs> you got the full experience and I think that's all I'm gonna give you for the time being. <laughs> Well, Kate, are you, are you nervous to sing, like, publicly? 
Definitely. And also I'm nervous to, I was nervous to even run my business publicly because I think I had such a background in, I had such a background in theater that I was very comfortable playing a character and being open and vulnerable as the character, singing as the character. But I think as myself, I'm so nervous. It never goes away. Even when I do so many speaking engagements and panels and I, I think it honestly gets worse. Like I get more nervous the more I do. Cause I think then I realize people expect more and it's not like I have lines memorized and I'm not in an accent or with an impediment. So I'm, I'm just me <laughs> and it's, and it's really yeah. nerve wracking. That's a, that's a very real thing. Like, especially since we started this podcast, the moment I heard my voice on this podcast, I was like, that's not how I sound. Like right. I've done, I've done so many self tapes. I was like, but I guess those are characters. I was like, oh, oh, this is just me as me. And yeah. it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, Talia, so just a real quick tangent, um, talking about listening to yourself. So Talia will send me, you know, the edit of the podcast before it goes up and I listen to it. I have to then force myself to actually listen to it when it's live on like Spotify or Apple because I just, I don't like listening to how I sound. And I, I'm like, why am I so loud? Why am I laughing like that? <laughs> Is that really how I sound? So, first of all, you both have such soothing voices, but I don't think anybody likes to listen to themselves and thinks it's a guard. Like, I just think I've never heard, I heard actually Johnny Depp has never watched a movie he's been in wow. because he can't watch himself. Watching that. See, yeah. I'm better at watching myself because I more go into a critiquing, like, I'm like, hmm, like, yeah, we shouldn't be parting the hair that way. We shouldn't be looking that way. I'm better at that. But the second I turn the volume on when I'm, like, posting stories, especially when they're for a brand, I'm like, oh, no, I can't listen to it with volume. Like, I was just told by a really big beauty brand that I pronounce their brand name wrong. <laughs> but I'm like, I have been pronouncing it that way since I was 10 years old. Like, no one has ever stopped yeah. me. I don't think anyone else knows. And and maybe if I had listened to it, I would be like, hmm, that sounds a little weird. But I just never – I can't listen to myself. I'd rather yeah. retape the entire thing than listen to the tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's very real. Um, so, so you said that – in the middle of Esper, you started Honestly Kate, and then it just took off. So what was that like? Like, how did it take off? What what actually happened? So what actually happened was I created this account. I called the account Honestly Kate because my acting name was Katie Sands, which is my real name. And I didn't want people in my classes, my friends, finding the account. So I made it like a pseudonym. And... It was kind of, I wouldn't say the beginning of Instagram because it absolutely was not, but I think it was easier for accounts to gain traction at the time. The algorithm was different. The hashtagging was different. Everything was just unique about it. And I really, truly believe because I wasn't trying to make it into a big account, it grew really organically. And it definitely did not grow overnight. Like it, it took months. I think that's the biggest misconception is people are like, how do you grow the account? How do you do this? I'm like, it takes time. You have to have a lot of content backlogged. You have to have a lot for people to see. It didn't just, like, if you look back at my photos, like, and I do sometimes just because it's fun to see and see the difference. I'm like, I had one like and like no comment. Like, it's not like it just was all of a sudden a big account. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's really important. And I'm actually starting this whole course called Behind the Brand, where I'm kind of taking everyone through my journey with Honestly Kate, because I have so many um, primarily young women reach out to me saying they want to start their own account and how do they even start and what do they even do. And I can't speak for anyone else, but I can speak from experiences I've had and what helped me and what I did. And kind of, I'm calling it my secret sauce, even though there's no secret, it's just like what I put into it and sharing that with people that are interested in building their own brand. Yeah. So there's a few things here I'd like to touch on, and I don't want to steal the thunder of your upcoming course, (laughs) but I know you saw the questions. (laughs) So I have to ask. It's also no secret. That's like the biggest thing I try to say to people. I'm like, there's no secret like to getting followers faster or getting late. Like there's just that. I think the scariest part is like, you just have to put yourself out there. So what would you credit your success to? If you can say maybe two things, Um, understanding that there's no secret, but you you talked about the content backlog, consistency. What would you say are the two main things that have allowed you to build such a, you know, this brand in a short amount of time? I think a thousand percent was my openness to the people following me and whether I had 10 followers or whether I had like 10,000 followers I always made sure to communicate with those followers and make them feel like they were part of my journey so even when it was like my first 10 followers I was always just checking in on them asking them if they like the photos I posted asking them what they would want to see making sure you're building this community because your account isn't built by yourself it's built because of the people that are following you so making sure that they're, you're always connected to them and making sure that you're posting content that's relevant to what they want to see. So that's definitely the biggest thing that I tell people. Like no matter how big or small your account is, the only thing that matters is the people following you because those are the people right. that are buying the product. Those are the people you're speaking to. Um, yeah, so it really just matters your following. And then I think also... I. I always think like consistency is key. And I tell so many people that, that I consult with brands and other um, people building their own brand. I say like, if it doesn't matter where your, where your account heads, like what direction it's heading or if it changes in the future, things can change. Things are going to flow as the world moves in different directions, but you have to make sure like you're keeping consistent, whether it's your, the filter you're using, whether it's like you're always smiling, what, whatever your thing is, I think making sure it's consistent. So people know it's your brand, because I think that's the difference between an influencer and someone that's like creating a brand is people can see my photos on another person's page or a brand's page and know that it's, it's an honestly Kate photo. Yeah. So how would you define your brand and your target audience? My target audience is, um, women 18 to 43 and it's 70% women. So mostly from actually New York, London, and Jakarta. That's like the real analytics behind it. And my, I would describe my brand as obviously the name is honestly Kate, but it's all about authenticity, relatability, and um, 
positivity. Like I try to keep things really upbeat. I try to be real and I talk a lot about mental illness and I'm an, I consider myself a mental health awareness advocate. Um, I work with a lot of foundations and I'm trying to merge the gap between authenticity in real life and on social media platforms. And it's been something that was definitely hard for me, which is why I got into it to begin with, because I was always posting pictures where I'm smiling in every photo. And when people would say, are you always happy? I said, no, I just can't take a photo and act serious. Like I try and I just <laughs> end up like making fun of myself, which is why I'm smiling in every photo. So right. I think like even telling that story and telling people how I even started with the smiling photos because I'm playing myself and like I couldn't take myself seriously. Right, um, right opened up the conversation for my audience to feel like they could share their stories. Um, yeah. Cause when I did start, I actually really didn't follow any other fashion or beauty influencers. So I didn't really know what was out there on the market, but what I was seeing was a lot of hot, really like editorial content. And I knew that that was not who I was. Absolutely. Um, so this is something I really wanted to chat with you about because I noticed that this year you started as an on-air style host for Amazon. So why did you decide to go the on-air style host route as opposed to like the shop your page route? So I actually have both. Um, so it's actually completely different teams at Amazon. Amazon is obviously, as you said, doing all the things. So they have teams for every different category under the sun and they're they have an amazon fashion team that i work with and that's kind of where you see all these like shop your amazon page um i guess it's called the amazon influencer program i don't quote me on that but i think that's what it's called it's something like that yeah, yeah. and i pretty much created my page and anytime I buy something personally on Amazon, I just add it to my page. So it's like super authentic. It's what I'm really buying on Amazon, which is pretty much my whole life. Um, and <laughs> I add it to my page and it's great. And through that, and they, they can track who is buying what um, through the Amazon associate links and also through the page so because of that I've been able to work and promote Amazon fashion items and Amazon sales on my Instagram now the Amazon live host is completely separate and that has always stemmed from my love for hosting I've done a lot of hosting opportunities at NBC and Fox and just like style segments where I do trends and trends for less and looks for less and um, the hottest trends under a hundred. And I had expressed to Amazon that I was interested in doing something similar for them for their Amazon live program, which is their new streaming program. And we started doing it actually. So I had auditioned for it like as a host and mm -hmm. we started it before COVID um, like two weeks before and then obviously we were all quarantined so I wasn't in the studio anymore and they just had the most incredible team and they figured out a way because I am not tech savvy whatsoever if you guys can already gather that they like figured out a way to stream from my home where they hooked up all their devices and were and I was streaming live and people could shop and talk to me as I was streaming on their site which is incredible that's dope. So I actually did not even know that Amazon had this until um, until we knew we were bringing you on the podcast. 
um, I was completely ignorant to it. And so speaking of, Am of Amazon, and I think it's just funny how aligned this all is with this happening right before COVID. One of the things that I've loved seeing Jeff Bezos do is post his response to um, like uh, people who have complained about Amazon's stance on Black Lives Matter and things of that nature. And he's just very much like, what else? This is what it is. This is my company. I'm leaving this on the masthead of the, of the webpage. And that's that. Um, so, you know, you spoke a little bit about how Amazon was able to help you when COVID hit, still be able to stream online. How else did you have to pivot your business in light of COVID? And what were you maybe not doing before COVID that you started to do um, during it that you'll continue going forward? Yeah, so I feel like there's so many answers in what you just said. <laughs> um, well, I think with both Black Lives Matter and COVID, I have educated myself on so much that maybe I was, I am, am very educated on a lot, but there's obviously so much more to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think with both every, I put myself in the public. So I have chosen this career where I can be attacked. I can be put up on a pedestal one day and taken down the next. Like I understand that I have put myself in a career like that. So I have been learned to be very open. And I think when it started with COVID, um, there was this whole movement of like, let's take influencers down. And I think it was really negative because there were so many quote unquote influencers that were doing so much good to promote mm -hmm. wearing a mask, to promote medical needs. I personally use my platform for so much philanthropy because that's just what I'm passionate about. And the, the, like the small fact that I was able to even put swipe ups to different hospitals and different medical um, places that were in need of um, supplies was like, to me, I was just so grateful that I even had that opportunity. Even right. if it had, it, I don't even know how many people donated or swiped or whatever. I can see how many people swiped. So that just made me feel like, okay, if I have this platform, I have to use it for good. Although I've right. always done that. It's like now more than ever, I have to stress that. And before COVID and I have to actually say a year, a year ago, I never shared anything personal, like my personal stance on anything. I never shared my religion. I never shared my boyfriend. I never shared my family. And I just mm. decided like about a year ago that I was getting a, a lot of messages. I'm Jewish from Jewish followers being like, I had no idea you were Jewish. I think it's really insulting that you don't share that and you don't stick up for Jewish people. And I was almost like mm. really taken aback because that's not never why I started my platform. It was really just to share my love for fashion and beauty. But I realized the way our world is heading. And I think it's a really big positive. You have to be able and comfortable to open your lives and you have to be comfortable mm. with the stance you take on everything and be comfortable sharing that because we just don't live in a world where you can be neutral in any situation. And you are going to realize that people are not going to agree with you and that's okay. And you have to be confident enough in yourself and your own values and morals to be able to share your opinion. 
Yeah. That, go ahead, Tilly. I'll let you go. No, that's um, that's that's so interesting because a part of me wants, a part of me one hundred percent agrees, but then the right. other part of me is like Kerry Washington, where like we've never seen her two kids. It's like yeah. it yep. it sh- it should be your right to decide right. what you want to share and when you want to share it. Um, but then also I completely understand that people are looking for people like them to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's, I feel like that too. it's so, it's hard because there's, listen, like I don't have kids. I know that is a whole nother ball game and I don't, people ask me all the time, like, what are you going to do when you have kids? Are you going to show your kids? Are you going to do this? I'm like, I have no idea. Because I don't know how I'll feel. I don't know how my husband will feel. I don't know how my family will feel. All I know is currently I have put myself in the public and I have put myself in the public as myself, not as an actress or actor. So I'm, I understand Carrie Washington. She puts herself out there as an actress and she is playing a character. So her, she is known for the characters she plays. I She has spoken out a lot about other issues recently but I feel like as someone who's considered an influencer I put myself out as myself and I fully accepted that now and so if people are going to ask me questions I have to be prepared to answer that's very true that's very true um go ahead Dooney sure sure so in early June speaking about you know uh, the takedown of influencers and and COVID and all of these things that have happened over the past few months, we saw the Instagram account influencer pay gap was created and it currently has about 28,000 followers and basically influencers submit their highest paid gigs as a way to show transparency throughout the industry. There are currently no guidelines on what influencers are paid. Have you had to fight to get what you think you deserve when it comes to brand collaborations? Absolutely. And I Mm. actually think this is one of, this is like my most passionate subject in the digital marketing space because I think it's, it really like impedes the digital marketing influencer world that there is just not much written about this industry. And Yes, there's a lot of influencers, but there's also so many other people in the industry. There's agents, there's pub, there's PR representatives, there's publicists for brands, there's the brand side, there's the developer, there's the marketer. There's so many people in the industry. It's not just the influencer. And there's so much that goes into every collaboration and every post that is not seen. And that's also really why I decided to create this kind of behind the brand course, because I want people to be educated about the industry. When people reach out to me and they say, I want to be an influencer, what do I do? I'm like, first of all, that's amazing. You should definitely pursue that. But there's also a lot of other career paths that you can go down in in the digital marketing space. And there's just nothing written about it. And that just frustrates me so much because we should be transparent about what we're paid for certain things. The same way I know that someone who works in finance at this level is paid around X amount. Like I might not know the exact amount, but I right. know what's I know what different jobs are paid. And I think there's no reason that there shouldn't be transparency the same way that I believe that there shouldn't be the stigma of, around sponsored content. 
Like, you read a magazine, you see an ad in the magazine. That ad didn't just magically get there. The brand paid the magazine to be in the magazine. The same way they're getting their products out on social media is they're paying an influence. Like, it shouldn't be a negative, and it's it's turned into such a negative connotation. And yes, of course, there's influencers that are going to work with brands just for the money, but that's in every single industry. People are going to do things just because it's for money, and that shouldn't be... that's okay too. Like people need money to live. And I think it's pretty obvious which influencers are working and partnering with brands just for a one-off money post. And there's also, you can also easily see the influencers that are working with the brands because they so believe in the brand and want to share it with their audience. And for me, like 98% of the time, I'm the one pitching myself to the brand saying, I love your product so much. Is there any way we can work together? What's your budget? Like, what Like, what do you have allocated for budget this month? Like, let me know how, if we can make something work. And it's it's usually that. Yeah. You know, it, it's so interesting because I was reading, um, I was reading this article that Gloss ran um, about the influencer industry and its diversity problem. And a group of uh black influencers spoke out against four the like influencer company four f-o-h-r um and basically they were they were asking for the same accountability that a lot of us have request have requested from brands because you know the influencer industry is like the modeling industry and you just don't know what people are being paid and it tends to be like every man for himself um are there ways for white influencers to be allies to black influencers in the industry? Because what's basically being said is that white influencers are simply getting paid more because they're white and whiteness is in demand. Yeah. I think there's so many ways that white influencers can be allies to black influencers. Um, I think there's something that I thought was really unique called share the mic now where I've seen a lot of brands and influencers give over their page so that they just have more eyes on them for a day and maybe those followers will then go follow them I think continuing to do the work and continuing to like personally what I did was I I, the black influencers that I'm friends with and have worked with and know personally I was sharing them and continue to share them all the time. Like if I see a cute outfit on someone, that's what I can do. I think there is unfortunately a major um, gap between activism and someone wanting to do what's right and performative activism right now. And I never want to encourage someone to be performative because they think it looks good. I like think if you want to do the work, you're going to do it. Like that's what I think about almost every issue we're facing right now like you have to want to do the work for yourself and not to save face or look good I saw um on some of your posts I don't know if it was maybe maybe it was what you posted on fourth of July about the conflict that you feel celebrating you know the fourth of the fourth of July given all that's happening in our country and I saw I think somebody wrote like unfollowed and you had the greatest response of like you know well thanks enjoy your weekend (laughs) and um (laughs) I like I have no way I have received so many messages from people even like 
before Black Lives Matter started, like with COVID, with every, like literally the second I started posting more about being Jewish and what that means to me and people will like announce to me that they're unfollowing. It's the strangest thing. I'm oh, like, oh, okay, yeah, bye, yeah. don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> like, Right, right. So that's, that's interesting because I was going to ask if you've seen an increase with, you know, how you're using your platform to be an ally. Have you seen an increase in unfollows and, and, and these hateful messages? But it's interesting that you say it's not just that. It's you speaking about being Jewish. It's you speaking up about COVID. So it's like essentially you speaking up about anything that makes you a person. Human, yeah. Right. Human with a mind and a, and a definitive stance. Yes. I mean, I have seen a major increase in a decrease in followers and a lot of announcers like tell people like telling me that, which I just think is the most bizarre thing ever. Um, mm. But I don't want those people following me. Like the, that's not the, com- my whole thing is about community and I don't want those people to follow me to begin with. And I don't know why they even started. So yeah. Is it, like a hit to the ego when people are saying I'm unfollowing you because you're not representing the Jewish community. Well, absolutely. Because that is like how I see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, a, it's definitely, um, it's a weird like dichotomy between feeling upset, but then also feeling like, okay, well you shouldn't be part of my community anyway. Um, right. With COVID, it was definitely like, since I started taking a st- since I started not even take, I don't even want to call it taking a stance, just sharing my opinions and feelings about every like world situations. I have um, lost a lot of followers. Wow. So how do you balance that? Like, do do you feel like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't be as vocal. Maybe I should tone it down a little bit because we know that, you know, in your lot, in your field of work, followers are so important it's like your engagement is your currency i wish it wasn't like that but that's the truth brands are mm-hmm. going to work with you because they need to sell their product they're if, if it does if you don't sell their product they're going to move on to the next person it's like any job and i think people forget that mm-hmm. that yes we're people but this is also a business and the same way everyone else wakes up and goes to work whatever that means to them like i do too and when you're working with a brand and they see a significant decrease in followers, it's not a good look. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely hard to balance and I'm human. And I think that people like really forget that sometimes. Um, it's like, sometimes I just need to take a step back and be like, okay, why did I start this platform? What does it mean to me? What are my values? And every time like I realign myself, um, I like guess I don't take a step back and I end up going further with like my feelings and my stance on things, which maybe isn't the best from a brand perspective, but um, I kind of feel like I've created this community that is so authentic and I, I always use that word, but it's just like the only way to describe it um, right. and is looking to, to me for the, to guide them in some ways. And sometimes I'm honest and I'm like, guys, I should not be your guide in this. Like I am not the one to go to like, why don't you follow this influencer right now? Like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I can guide you in the right direction. Right. So, so given all of that, 
what tips do you have for people who may be trying to break into content creation in a meaningful way where they don't necessarily need to hide who they are so that they can maintain some of that authenticity? I think just continue posting content. Like if this is the industry you wanna be in and you have a passion for something, first I would say to stay in what, like the lane of that passion. So I knew when I started that I, I loved interior design, I loved theater, I loved fashion, I loved beauty. Like I, there was so much I was passionate about, but someone had told me early on, like don't just start and start posting everything. Like stay in your lane and then see where it goes. And it can always pivot and it can always change directions, but you don't want to confuse people. You want people to come to your page and they know what they're going to find. And so that they have something to go back to. So right now I do really consider my brand more of a lifestyle brand, but it really started out as just fashion and beauty. And I really think that figuring out what like your passion and your niches and going from there and then connecting with people in your in that world. That's so real. You recently posted an article on your blog um, about authentic beauty in a filtered world. You always look super refreshed and pretty. Um, mm -hmm. Are there things that you've had to come to terms with as far as your own beauty? Oh my gosh, yes. Like, first of all, I am not refreshed and pretty like that is me trying if I am coming on the camera or coming to speak on my stories yeah there's so many times I'll come like no makeup and just talk but it's like I'm I try to treat honestly Kate as me walking into the office like when I walk into an office and go to a meeting without putting effort into my makeup whether it's like super minimal or my hair no so I try to treat my stories the same way um, and I try to be really honest, like open to that and be like, guys, like I just used my favorite foundation. Like I didn't like just wake up with no blemishes. Like I have, you know, and I, I think for me, I suffer really bad with, um, cold sores and they're obviously on my face and you can see them most of the time. And that is something that I like had to cancel jobs over because mm. I was like, People are going to think like I have crazy herpes. What's going on? Like I can't, I can't. And it's just genetic. Like I can't walk into a brand meeting or photo shoot, whatever, looking like this. And I just like decided to say, fuck it. I was like trying to get like these like lip care brands to sponsor me for it because I was like, this is something that I know 78% of Americans deal with. So like, why am I trying to hide it? And I think I tried right. to kind of, Think of it as like owning my awful because when your brand is yourself and especially your face, it's really hard when you have like a huge breakout or like you just look, wake up and you're, sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, mm, not feeling it today. You know, like I'm not <laughs> feeling like going on TV today, but I don't have a choice and I'd rather be busy than just like say to my team, like, hey, I'm not going to do that show today because <laughs> I'm right. not looking cute. Like I have chosen this as my career. So I have kind of have to snap myself out of it and just say like, today I'm going to own my awful. I'm going to own my puffy face. I'm going to add the best highlighting and contour I can do to myself and just rock mm -hmm. it. Like the, I, you just yeah. have to kind of like give yourself a little pep talk and 
listen, like I love playing with makeup. I'm so not good at it, but like I've learned how to contour and I've learned how to like put a lot of bronzer and highlighter and like I know how to look good for the camera. Right. And I think, you know what, when we when people when we talk about beauty, that's something that I've been thinking about more and more lately, right? Is um the acceptance of how you are, who you are, um, and that being really huge with beauty. But also, that doesn't mean that you can't experiment with other things, right? Like, Talia and I were talking about wigs and weaves and our natural hair. And yeah, we, we our de- definition of beauty or how we see ourselves isn't necessarily dependent on whether or not we have weave or whether or not our hair is straight, you know? So I just, it also doesn't mean that you can't wear makeup, right? It doesn't mean that you can't learn how to contour. It doesn't mean that you can't use these things to add on to who you are. I don't, I don't know what that, you know, I don't, I don't have the best way to articulate it, but I'm, I'm just cognizant of also not sending the message that, Hey, you know, if you have some acne or if you have dark circles under your eyes, you can't cover that up because in the name of being beautiful, we have to just look exactly how we are, <laughs> you know, when we wake up. Such like a, it's well, almost like a okay. mind trick to yourself. Cause I feel like, right. Right. I, like people say to me all the time, like, Oh, like you're like, I have a partnership with glam squad and I started working and people would always say, well, you're always getting your makeup done. I'm like, yeah, cause I'm showing you that like, this is not, I'm the reason I show it and I want to show it is because I don't want to come out and you think like I look like that or like I did that myself like I'm not a professional and I don't want anyone to think I wake up and like have glam like that's not how it is like this is a brand I'm highlighting and I'm trying to show it to you and like there's days where I'm like okay fully not did not do my makeup today like just came looking like how I look. So you've spoken a bit about how confusing beauty jargon can be when it comes to what's considered clean, organic, and non-toxic. And Talia and I had this conversation. I used to be a formulation chemist for L'Oreal, and that was something that we struggled with often. Like, well, what exactly does it mean when you say natural? What exactly does it mean if we're saying that this is clean, right? So knowing that these categories can be misleading, how do you decide which brands align to your brand and your platform? So I am such a stickler. And the only reason I became this way was honestly, when I started doing more research into my diet and what I was eating and what I was putting in my body, because I developed um, a stomach condition called SIBO, which is not a fun time. And Mm. I was like, okay, I have a small intestinal infection. And I was like, my doctor was really strict with me. He was like, you have been eating like shit. Like, I don't even understand. And I was like, really? Like, I think I eat semi-normal. I eat pizza, I eat pasta, like I have chicken. Like I was eating like, okay, not healthy, but I thought I was eating normal. And I started doing more research into what I was putting in my body and educating myself on what organic meant and what the different marketing terms meant, like what you said with natural and clean. And I was like, okay, like grass fed. And I, the more I started educating myself on what I was putting in my body, I started realizing the, the ingredients that were in my skincare, hair care, body care 
And I was like, okay, my skin is my largest organ. So if I'm putting these product ingredients on my skin, it's being absorbed into my body. And it's not just what I'm eating that's affecting my stomach. It's what I'm putting on my face and my body and my exactly. hair. And I started thinking like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like I honestly felt like I was, and like, don't, I'm not knocking McDonald's because I love McDonald's, but like supersize me. Like when they did that whole video, like, I felt like I was like having an awakening like that. I was like, oh my God, like this whole, my whole life I've been using like a certain shampoo and I have a million hair follicles in my scalp and that's being absorbed straight into my brain. Like I was so freaked mm. out by everything. And I, and just the more research and the more I started speaking to different founders who were starting cleaner brands. And by the way, like the word, I use the word cleaner, but I actually have a whole list on my, on my um, blog about like the beauty buzzwords and what they actually mean. And most of them mean nothing. They're so upsetting. Yeah. They're so upsetting. It means nothing. It's the same thing when you go to like Pret Amande and like not knocking Pret because they love Pret also, but like they're like, our food is natural. Like that's not even a word. Right. Like I'm like a natural one. <laughs> like I don't know what that means. So it's the same thing in beauty. And I think, trust, I'm like the first to say that I do not only use clean beauty and I'm the, and I just, just switched over my deodorant because for so long I was like, there's no way I can't use a natural deodorant. Like I'm going to smell and every deodorant mm -hmm. I use smell made me smell or sweat. And then I finally found one that works. So until I find a product that works better or the same as the non clean alternative, like I'm not going to promote it because right. I have to love it myself. And the truth of the matter is a lot of cleaner products are more expensive. Mm. What what's this deodorant? I know. Yeah. Right? Oh, I Cleo and Coco. Cleo and Coco. Cleo and Coco. I love it. Cleo and Coco. Cleo and Coco. Yeah, because I'm on like my 60th natural deodorant. Yeah. I'm applying it every two hours, and um, I'm still I'm not as fresh as one could be. Yeah, and the same, and it's the same with hair care. I just started my natural deodorant journey. It's hard. It's really it's a transition. It's a good time to do it, though. Right. In the house. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So let's transition. Kate, start us with your daytime skincare routine. So my daytime skincare routine, I am someone who always switches it up. I just love to, like, try new products. And for work, I'm always testing and trying out new products for at least a few months. So currently, I am using... I love the um, Dr. Dennis Gross, like, two-in-one pads. I've been using those. Then I usually go... Wait, I, what are the pads? Because oh, I don't have any Dr. Um, Gross. Tell me about it. so good. So, actually, it's really funny because now Dr. Dennis Gross has his own line. I think it's, like, sold everywhere. Sephora, Ulta, you name it. But he has these alpha beta pads. They're, like, daily peels. And But he was my um, dermatologist from when I was a kid. Which is so funny because now it's like full circle. Now I'm working with his beauty line. Wait a minute. He was your dermatologist as a kid and now he's a full-fledged celebrity and so are you. <laughs> no, like it's so funny because I, I literally went, like he's the person I went to for my like yearly skin checks and if I had a rash or anything like that. And then he came out with this line. I, I don't know when. I, it must be... It must be 10 years ago now. And his wife really spearheaded it. And he is everywhere. <laughs> wow. So I've actually used those peels 
I love them. They come in the box, the orange and white ones, right? Yes. The, um, yeah, I've, I've used them. I like them a lot. It's They're a, it's great. A really good chemical exfoliator. It yeah. definitely is. They're definitely not clean, non-toxic. They're none of that. So I just like to like put a PSA out there because I always try to use products that are on the cleaner side. But unless mm -hmm. I find a cleaner alternative, I'm not going to switch over. And currently, these are great for exfoliation as like a peel pad, and love them. Okay, so you do that first, and then do you use a toner? Yes, I. So for so long, I was using that infamous toner P50 from Biologie Fresherie. Right. I definitely pronounced that wrong, but <laughs> I was using that forever, and I obviously started doing more research into the product and the fact that they even use fennel, which I didn't even know what that meant. I stopped using that completely, and I just like went cold turkey on that product, even though I know it's a cult favorite, and started using Tracy Martin's toner. Um, I love Wander Beauty's toner. There's so many incredible um, cleaner alternatives for toners out there that I think no one needs to be using fennel on their face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> right. And then I guess after my toner, I love, love, my favorite product, hands down, I can't even remember if I mentioned this already, but is the First Aid Beauty Coconut Primer, Coconut Smoothie Primer. It is the best primer slash moisturizer in the market. Like I have tried all the primers and... It's so funny because I partnered with First Aid Beauty a few times on different projects and we have yet to partner on this one product that I like live for. <laughs> um, it's so good. It's just, it's the best primer. It gives you like that nice sheen. So it almost feels like you have a layer of foundation on without having any type of foundation on your skin. Wow. So you can use it with or without makeup. Yes. So I like pretty much use that daily, whether I'm just putting on a little powder if I'm just going out and putting on sunblock it creates a great barrier between your skin and whatever product you're putting on it to protect your pores and it also just has a good shine to it it's good for any skin type skin color it is it's really like the best primer I couldn't say enough about it it's really good <laughs> and do you typically use um like a face wash as well or I know some people are like moving away from like actual face washes. They're doing like, Oil I don't cleanser. know. Yeah. I think there's so, there's so much going on. I am someone who like will use three cleansers while I'm in the shower at once. Like I just love cleansers and I'm always like one, as much as I can clean my pores, I think the better for me, I do have really big pores and I tend to get super oily. So um, I love the first aid beauty, pure skin face cleanser. I think that's like, if you're going to ever do a simple swap from a, like a non-clean alternative product to a clean, like that's, I think, the clean version of Cetaphil. Okay. okay. So I think like Cetaphil, right? Like we grew up with Cetaphil. Everyone used Cetaphil. It's so good for your skin. It's so creamy and nice and just does the trick without like having any like harsh reaction ever. But if you want a cleaner alternative, First Aid Beauty has that for you. I also, I mean, I personally love an oil cleanser, especially if I'm wearing makeup. Um, which ones am I using right now? Right now I'm using the True Botanicals Pure Skin Oil Cleanser. I just think it gets all the, like the makeup off so easily. Okay. I also love the DHC one, the DHC, um, 
that's been, the one I use. Yeah, that's DHC. a great one. I just ran out. So anytime I run out, I'm like, this is a perfect time to test a new product. So I moved on to the True Botanicals, which is another great clean alternative. But the DHC is fabulous. It gets everything off. Like every little mascara bit is off my face after that. So that's actually interesting. So I, I've been using it for maybe about a month. But okay, I'll be 100% honest. Because it's like, I don't know, an oil, mm-hmm. I was very weary to apply it to my mascara. I've, I've just been using like my little cleansing wipes until they're completely gone. But I was like, I wonder if I can use it like on my eyelashes without well, it getting you- in my eye. Oh, it definitely won't get in your eye. Well, at least it hasn't for me. But I, if you do have lash extensions, definitely don't use an oil near your eye. I would oh, say no, that. I don't have extensions. So I did I have, ex- I had extensions for a really long time, which I miss so much. But <laughs> <laughs> um, And since I haven't had them for like the last eight months, I obviously am more comfortable rubbing my eyes. But when I did have them, I would just make sure I went like – far away from my eyes or anything like that just because it will pull the extension off but I think you I, honestly I've never had a problem with oil cleansers and my eyes I actually okay. think they're really light okay. on the eye I actually think I, I sometimes when I in the past have used like more of like an eye makeup remover like uh, um trying to think who I've used in the past just like even like Garnier or something where it's more like specific to eye makeup removers I felt more irritation then than just like a simple oil cleanser okay okay good to know because literally last night I was taking off makeup because I had to do a self-tape and I was like oh can I use this oil cleanser on my eyelashes I was a little nervous but now I'll just go in head first yes it's good and it's like you you'll have immediately like that spill of mascara where you look like you're in the ring for a second where it's like your (laughs) mascara is down your face but then it it comes off so fast with water. And are you doing something different to your skin at night? At night? What am I doing at night? I mean, I'm, oh, I'm, I actually have been doing gua sha recently. Um, I finally learned how to properly gua sha my face with, um, what wa- is a gua sha? So gua sha. I am a fan of the gua sha tool. I yes. It, it is great. I also suffer from severe scoliosis so I'm always having tension in my neck yeah so if you are I really recommend this because mine happens to like center in pain with like my neck and shoulders and I've been using the gua sha tool starting on my shoulders moving up to my neck and then to the face and it's actually helped uh, my discomfort significantly which I had no idea I could even do and then also because you're moving the toxins in like the neck and the shoulders it's supposedly really helps with any hormonal breakout in the skin because you're removing the toxins it's a tool so it's a a stone I think it's like battery operated or no it's so natural it's like um I have rose quartz typically the materials are used in that so it's similar to like the rolling stone whatever materials they're they're using for the rolling stone and I've seen that they actually sell them together I mean obviously you can purchase the washer on its own but they do sell that along with the rolling stone also yep I use the one from wildling that's the stone I have and it's not rose quartz I don't remember right now what it is but it's a black stone and it's a different kind of earth stone that's supposedly so good and has healing properties for your skin like rose quartz does 
I guess, what's the difference between, like, the gua sha and, like, a jade facial roller? So the gua sha, you're really, it has, like, hard edges, and so you're really getting in there to the lymphatic system, whereas a jade roller, I think, feels amazing and helps, like, me feel good, especially if I put it in the refrigerator. But I don't think, for me, it's never, I've never seen a difference. It just feels good for me. Yeah, and and I think with the Rolling Stone too. So, especially since you put it in the refrigerator, it's supposed to be like cooling for your skin Mm -hmm. and help. So, like if you use it after you apply your serums, it helps it to penetrate more into the skin. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um. So I noticed that you did not mention any of the kind of. I don't know, trendier um, serums? Are we not doing serums? Are we not using hyaluronic acid and vitamin C these days? No? So it's actually interesting. I am a huge fan of hyaluronic acid. I think that it feels great whenever I put it on. It makes me feel like my skin is very like tight and taut, which I personally like um, just because I have more oily skin. Um, I do have to say um, for all those hyaluronic acid, like, fans out there I do think it's a very trendy product I am not really sure when it got so popular and how long it will stay because I do think that there's other serums um like Vintner's Daughter which I know is like ridiculously expensive but there's other people coming out with products that have it all in one like hyaluronic acid vitamin c um like E, whatever you need, and they're coming out with more all-in-ones rather than, like, a separate vitamin C and a separate hyaluronic acid. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see where that trend goes because, like, as someone who follows beauty trends, it's the hottest trend, hyaluronic acid, but before hyaluronic acid, the hottest trend was vitamin C to, to brighten your skin. Um, so I don't know. I actually re- went to – I. I not went to. I happened to walk by a friend who um, is an esthetician the other day, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, like when did you start having melasma on your skin?" I'm like, "What? I didn't even know I had melasma." Like, <laughs> it's like you. who got melasma? Yeah, I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Yeah, you need to continue using your vitamin C serum as the brightener." Um, but I think people that are dermatologists and estheticians can see things that like you can't see yourself, which obviously is why they are in that field, but. So I don't know. I'm interested to see. I, I did a whole interview with one of my favorite dermatologists, Dr. Whitney Bow, about a year ago, talking about the benefits of vitamin C and why it's great for your skin. Um, I just hear and learn so much and I'm like over like inundated with um, ingredients and product reviews that it's almost hard for me to separate them out. So I try to be as simple as I can at night. Right. I mean, I have heard that vitamin C is beneficial um, for helping your SPF penetrate into your skin. So are you using an SPF these days? Yes, I have to use an SPF. I am like so prone to freckles and I've had to, and I have skin cancer in my family. So um, I, it's so funny because people are like, you look so tan. I'm like, hello people, it's bronzer. Like that (laughs) I put on my, like I, I really have to, be careful because there's a lot of melanoma in my family and I I'm a very freckly person so which one are you using on your face and which one are you using on your body on my face I really have loved the Tula um I don't know the name but it's their new Tula sunblock it's great it's super sheer and it feels really good on the skin and has um, a lot of pre and probiotics in the ingredients 
I love the First Aid Beauty Lightweight Sheer Sunblock. It kind of looks like I'm wearing tinted moisturizer. My body, I am like a sun bum girl all the way. I love the smell of sun bum. Like I could spray it every five minutes. <laughs> so that's like, um, are you using something on your face? So I guess typically the concern with sunscreen is like, okay, I have it on my face and then I put on my makeup and then how do I like spritz it every two hours? So have you found like a really good like spray to kind of reapply? I actually haven't really, I mean, I know Super Goop has like a setting mist for sunblock. I, that's the only thing I've used that I think really works. I am definitely not someone who can wear makeup over their sunblock. Like I just look crazy town. <laughs> like it's either like I'm wearing makeup and I'm going to a meeting and being inside or I'm wearing sunblock. Got it. Got it. It's hard oh. for me because it like, I look. Like, I, I, like, look crazy, but I, as I wear a lot of sunblock, like, yesterday I was wearing sunblock all day, and then, like, at night I shower and put on makeup. Got it. So I'm sure okay. that's not the proper answer or what any dermatologist <laughs> would want to hear, but that's the reality for me. So what are your, your top products for nighttime, like, right before you go to bed? Right before I go to bed, right now, I love um, the Vintner's Daughter they have like an essence and then a serum I've been trying out and I do work with the company. So I was gifted the product. Like I want, I try to make that very clear for people because I know it's crazy expensive, but I'm trying that one out now and I have been trying it out for the past month and a half. So I can speak to the founder about it um, on her channel. So I've been doing that. Um, definitely the De Dr. Dennis Gross alpha beta peel pads. I love, um, I don't even think I mentioned this brand yet, but um Pharmacy is a new clean brand. I love their oh, yeah. eye serum and their honeymoon. I think it's their AHA AHA Glow. I think I'm saying that right. Um, they have. I think they have incredible nighttime products. So you do this Dr. Gross peel twice a day. Yes, I use the not heavy one. Okay. Okay. I al I also feel like I use them more in the summer, just because. I'm, I'm like, I'm out sweating. I'm testing out makeup products. I have so many products on my skin that I just, I'm really trying to clean my skin at night. And when I wake up, it's just like a nice little refresher. Okay. Nice. So before we transition into makeup, I don't think I heard you say anything about moisturizers. Moisturizers. So I really do use the First Aid Beauty Coconut Primer as my moisturizer. Um, but if I was to use a separate moisturizer, I they do have a cream moisturizer that I love. Um, I am like a cult fan of Caudalie. I learned that I was pronouncing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> um, so I love everything from Caudalie. I love their moisturizer. I love their hydrating spray. Um, I love their beauty elixir spray. I think they just have really good products and have never changed their ingredients. Like they've been clean and non-toxic since day one. Right. Which I think people don't realize because they never came on the scene with that as their marketing term because it wasn't trendy. Yeah. And now it is. And, like, people don't realize they've actually – like, it's not like they did a revamp. Those have always been their ingredients. Right. They're, like, the right. grandparents of it. Exactly. Right. So, Kate, um, you seem to have, like, the no-makeup makeup look down. <laughs> First, before we get into the products that you like to use, what – 
do you typically like to have a more nude looking face? When do you glam up? Like talk us through how you approach makeup. Makeup. So to be completely honest, I am not the best at doing my own makeup. So that is probably why there's that no makeup makeup look because I have to say like when we have been in PC like pre-corona, I love working with different makeup artists and getting crazy looks for events. And I love how creative some of the makeup artists I work with are and how like fun they are with colors. I am not someone who can do that on myself. I wish I could. But so whenever I do my own makeup, which obviously has been daily for the last six months, um, I just try to really go for like that bronzy, glowy look. I, I don't really wear any eyeshadow or eye makeup. I just do mascara. Um, currently, I'm using the Ilia Beauty Mascara, and I think it's really a great mascara. No matter what kind of mascara I use, my eye makeup will always run. I just have, that's like how my lashes and face are. So that is why I had lash extensions for a few months to test it out, which I like couldn't recommend more if some, if you are someone who has mascara run down their face, no matter what, those were great. <laughs> Did you apply your own lash extensions? No, no. I got them done, um, in Koreatown at Ebenezer. Okay. Yeah. And I, people always said like, you shouldn't get lash extensions, lash extensions. They're going to pull your lashes out. They're going to do this. Uh, for me, they didn't pull any of my lashes out and I got them very natural. I just, I just knew I didn't want to have to keep applying mascara and having it run down my face every day. So I, I really had a good experience with Ebenezer. I have to say, um, I didn't have any type of reaction to the glue. It really worked for me and I still have my full lashes. Nice. That was not my experience. I got left really? a couple of years ago, and I loved it. I loved the look, but I felt like when they were coming out and, and after reapplying a couple of times, my natural lashes came hey, out, and that was, like, devastating because I have full lashes. They're just super curly, and I wanted mm. the volume look, so I haven't gotten um, extensions since, but and that's maybe like most. I have to say, most of my friends had a really bad experience with lash extensions. Um, I had, like, a few friends actually end up in the hospital because of allergic reaction to the glue or irritation. Um, and so when I originally – I was, like, a little hesitant to do it, obviously, because, like, I had only heard bad experiences. And I had never had a reaction to lash – like, extension lashes that are just, like, applied for one night only. So I knew that, like, I was okay with glue. But then when I did get the extensions put in, I said, can we do like two on one side and I can test it out for a day and see if I do have any sort of reaction. And I did it. And then I went back the next day. Nice. Nice. So before we keep going, you mentioned that you were doing your makeup every day um, during quarantine or shelter in place. Is that because you were recording something every day? You had to take pictures every day? Was it really seven days a week? Okay, definitely not seven days a week. So I guess every day is definitely an um, exaggeration. But I, when I am recording and when I am taking pictures, I do my own makeup. And I do a five-minute makeup situation. Okay, let's just do that. So I start, with a, I start with the primer. So I love the Fab Primer. And then I go – I have been using the Cover FX Power Pressed um, – Sorry, the Cover FX Pressed Mineral Powder in shade N40 since I was in middle school. 
Um, so it's really funny because I have loved this foundation. I found it at Sephora. I suffered from such bad acne as a teen and I just needed any type of powder or foundation that was going to cover my acne scars. And so I found this, I tested out a bunch. Like I bought Maybelline. I bought everything I found, not knowing anything about being clean, non-toxic, cruelty-free. Just I really liked their product because it did completely cover everything I needed. And it's funny because fast forward again, I'm working with them and they are, they have been clean since day one as well, which is so crazy that I think I like gravitated towards those products just completely subconsciously as a child, as a teen. And I still use that product today. And what's great about Cover FX is when you find your shade in one of their products, you are that shade in all of their products. Interesting. Which is nice, nice because you don't have to get matched every single time you're trying to buy a new product or test out a new product. So what I wear in their pressed mineral powder, I also wear in their foundation. Nice. And so what else do you use besides Cover FX for foundation or is that your... So I use their pressed mineral powder and I use their power play foundation and I've been playing with some of, they have like some like illuminating drops I've been playing out with um, that I also really like if you're just like trying to get that really glowy look. And then I, um, so after my cover effects, I, 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 it's like such a, another cult favorite, but I love NARS Laguna bronzer. I put it everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> it's not it is nothing good about the product like I love NARS and they probably would like kill me for saying this but there's like nothing no ingredient in it that's good ingredient but it works and it does the trick and if I'm just like need yeah. that glowy look that like bronzy glowy look that's what I try to go for I put it all over my forehead my cheeks I do it under my chin for a little bit of a contour oh and sorry I forgot I also love the hourglass um their concealer I use in, in the um, shade Cedar. It's my favorite concealer I've used. Nice. Do you do anything with your eyebrows? Um, my eyebrows, no. My eyebrows are really bushy, and I like them that way. Uh, nice, nice. Wait uh, a minute. No, like, gloss on them? No shaping? No I nothing? used to put a little bit of the Glossier Boy Brow, and then I ran out, and I never got it again. And now I just, like, I like them, like, super bushy, so I'll play with them. Like, I'll do, like, a little, like, rub-a-dub-dub to the eyebrows. <laughs> like, I like them to look bushy, and, like, I like that. And I have such a big space between my brows like, I have the opposite of a unibrow, and so people, like, my mom used to be like, did you do something there? Like, why do you have no hair there? And so I always, like, move them into each other. Uh, in hopes you know for what, growth. I, I feel like the more natural brow look has definitely been back on the rise. I mean, people still love to shape their eyebrows, and, I mean, I'm definitely an eyebrow shaper, but I've noticed more and more that people just let their natural brows rock. Yeah, I, I love, and then I... I was saying I use the Ilia mascara, um, and that's really my look. It's it's just like super simple for every day. I think it works for me for filming and recording in my house. If I was going to an event, which obviously I'm not going anywhere right now, um, I would obviously add more colors and layers to have more coverage. And are we doing fragrances as well? Have you been like 
putting on any fragrance, even in quarantine. I know, like, sometimes at night, I'm just like, let me go to bed smelling mm-hmm. a little better than I did all day. I guess, like, no typical fragrance, but I do, since I love the Caudalie Beauty Elixir, and it has, like, a rose, like, a rose scent to it. So I guess that's my fragrance. I feel like I'm going to have to try that out. It's so good. They just came out with a limited edition version, so they have a mini version, which I, like, love any products that come in minis. They're so cute. <laughs> and you can travel with it. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I love minis. I love being able to travel with my good product. I know. There is nothing worse than a TSA agent taking away your products. <laughs> like, it's just like, you. how can you even fight? Like, there's just nothing to say. They're like, you can't bring this with you. And I'm like, I'm bringing it. They're like, well, we're taking it. And it's going in the garbage. <laughs> I still say a few choice words, even though I'm, I'm in the wrong, but I don't care. <laughs> like one time I tried to be like, it's my prescription. They're like, for your toothpaste? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about hair because you have great hair. And so this... Okay, so this really interesting thing happened. I have um, a really good male friend. Um, he's white. He just bleached blonde his hair or, or bleached his hair oh, no, blonde. <laughs> but he, he texted me because he was trying to figure out what oil to put in his hair so that it wouldn't be dry. And so he was trying to figure out what oil I use. And I was like, first of all, sweetheart, we don't have the same hair yeah. texture. I was like, I definitely don't think you'd be putting oil in your hair. Um, so I text a few of my homegirls, and mm-hmm. one of them said that she uses like a Olaplex, but it's not an oil. It's like a, a really moisturizing conditioner mm-hmm. or something. Olaplex has incredible reviews. I personally never used it, but I'm, I don't have a lot of breakage in my hair, but my friends who have severe breakage from either dyeing or bleaching or whatever, curling, they have used Olaplex, and they said it has completely transformed the texture of their hair. Wow. Like, I have heard really incredible things about their formula. I actually transitioned my own hair to try to use um, some cleaner ingredients. And I have to say, it's a very hard transition. It's harder than your deodorant transition because your scalp has so many hair follicles on it. That if you think of like your, this is, it might be like TMI, but like if you think of your armpit, like your armpit has hair follicles as well, which is why it's hard to transition to a cleaner, more natural deodorant. But Mm -hmm. if you think of like your head, you have even more. So your hair is going to, your head is going to like either reject or take in those oils, depending on what you've used in the past. So when you're transitioning from, um, like a sulfate shampoo to a no sulfate or cleaner ingredients, which are more oil based, it's going to weigh down your scalp because your scalp's probably going to reject it and it needs to transition. So you need to like use very little, like the first time I ever used a clean um, shampoo and conditioner, I used Mm -hmm. it from um, Acton Acre and I currently absolutely love their products. But the first time I was like, what? the heck is going on like <laughs> I literally looked like I just soaked my hair in olive oil wow it was bad and I then met with the founder and I was like this is I cannot even talk I'm so confused because I see people use your product and they love it and I'm and I was so excited to use cleaner ingredients on my scalp because your skin is your biggest organ and she was like oh my gosh first of all you are using way too much you need to use a pea-sized amount and you need to transition the hair like it doesn't just happen overnight 
And so she explained it to me in the same way that you transition your deodorant and it made a lot more sense. And so I do love their products. I actually have to say I love the Drunk Elephant hair care line. Okay. It's really good. I'm really surprised. I don't even think I knew they had a hair care line. Yeah, they launched it like in the midst in like the beginning of Corona. So I'm sure like was not the best launch time, but um theirs their shampoo and conditioner is great. Really? Are you a fan of their skincare products? I am. I'm a really big fan of their skincare products. Um I do think for my audience it's more on the pricey side. So I try to find different alternatives, um, which is like kind of the same thing I was saying with Fincher's daughter. I think it's an incredible product, but it's definitely on the pricier side. And my audience, that's not really the price range they're buying at. So I try to find, I I have to say, if I were to buy one product from Drunk Elephant, because I guess this question a lot, I would invest in their baby facial. I think it's a, it's very harsh and it, but it works immediately. That is my favorite product what's baby facial and it's funny because I have friends who have like more acne prone skin that are like how can you promote this product it completely burned my face and I'm like yeah I told you it was very intense product like if you have hypersensitive skin I do not recommend it but if you have like I love to give my skin like a slap in the face like (laughs) especially if I'm like going on tv or doing something like I need my skin to look fucking fire like you know what I mean like the, I'll use the baby yeah. facial right before yeah well it has 25 percent AHA in it yeah and two percent BHA so you're right it's definitely harsh it's definitely um you know one of those 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 <laughs> chemical exfoliators yep. but I love it me you too. Use it like once a week oh but like sometimes for me even like every other but yeah. it's that if I were to buy one product that would be it so do you have, like, um, a go-to flat iron or blow dryer? Yeah, so I've been using since, I don't even know, since my, like, summer camp days, the Con Air, um, I think it's the 1975 or 1875 Styler. It's the blow dryer that has the brush attached to it. They still sell it. It's still my absolute favorite. It just gets the job done fast. Mm, okay. Yeah, because I just bought my first blow dryer. I'm, like, way behind, like on wow. any straightening products so and I love the beach waver the beach waver by Sarah Potempa is my favorite go-to beach waving curling iron it's like the best the best the best I can't say enough about it and then for straightener I love the kiss rouge cordless flat iron because not that we're on the go but I was always on the go before and it's cordless which I think is pretty awesome that is, I've never heard anything like that. I've never, that. I was like, whoa, mind blown. <laughs> like, I have mm-hmm. never thought that was possible. Okay. Less about beauty, more <laughs> about Brendan. Your dog is adorable. I Thank love you. I post your dog. So, first, is, is Ryder a boy or a girl? So, Ryder is a boy. Um, okay. I have had plenty of girl dogs growing up and they are just nasty. So it's nice to have a, it's nice to have a boy dog. He's so sweet. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Nasty? It's true yeah. what they say. Girl dogs are bitches. <laughs> like I love my girl dogs, but they were like, they like at the dog, another dog came near them. They growl. They were very oh, wow. territorial. Um, Yeah. Especially, 
So writers, oh, like, oh, no, so I was going to say, especially, like, when my last, my family's last older girl, girl dog, like, was old, she was not nice. Like, she, she would, like, put people on her, put their place. <laughs> Bossy. Bossy. Um, and, and what breed? Ryder is a Cavapoo. So we adopted Ryder from an Amish family um, in Pennsylvania. We were on every shelter list, which I guess is the best problem to have right now. Like in the tri-state, all dogs had been adopted, which is really like awesome. Like if there's one silver lining of this time, like that's a great one. Um, and we had gotten a call from one of the lists we were on saying there is a family an Amish family that had accidentally their dog had puppies and they need to be adopted immediately because they can't take care of them. And without seeing a picture, without seeing anything, we drove and we got him. I love that dog accidentally had puppies. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) So you did not neuter your dog. So he had sex with another dog. Like that's what happens. (laughs) It was not a planned pregnancy. Yeah. I'm like, that's what happens. But anyway, he's so cute. It's been so much fun having him. I do always feel like I'm like, hmm, I think I post too much of him, but whatever. I'm such an animal lover. So cute. Okay. So Kate, this has been a great conversation. What is next for you and the Odyssey Kate plan? Um, so what is next? I'm really excited. I'm launching my first capsule collection with a brand that I have loved and admired for so long, Fat Buddha. And it's in size inclusive collection that was started completely based on my audience polls and feedback so it's the first collection um by um the first capsule collection that is completely made for you by you that's my motto and that's what the hashtag I'm using because it's completely based off my audience polls feedbacks and um, statistics, which is really awesome because I got to get my entire audience involved in the process. So everyone really has a part in it. So and it's FUBU. Is it called Kate FUBU? No. Oh, no. It's <laughs> that, I like that, though. <laughs> I really like that. Um, no. So it's it's going to be like HKXPB. That's what we're putting on the tags just because Fat Buddha by Honestly Kate is super long <laughs> for a tag. Um, but it's, I'm so excited. It launches. We created the whole entire collection in five months, which I could never have done on my own. I like so happy to be partnered with someone who's like an OG in the activewear business, has their manufacturers already, has the production team, has the fabric, has the Pantone colors. Without that, this would have taken two years probably. So I'm really excited. It launches in August. Oh, nice. I actually saw some of it um, on your on your Instagram. And I was like, okay, when we say size inclusive, does it mean that the bras can fit us little tittied women? Because I try not to look like a flat chested little boy in sports bras. So I am like the little titty committee. (laughs) That's me. And I First of all, can never find a sports bra. I have some ever. ever that could either that looks good to begin with, like they all look horrible, and then also that doesn't hurt my back because I suffer from scoliosis. Um, so I'm always ending up with a migraine. So I end up like always wearing these like regular bras with a tight shirt over it because nothing worked for me. So that was kind of the impetus to start like with the bra. 
And then once I created the bra, um, was so, and by the way, I'm fitting, I'm, the whole collection has been fit on me, my mom, and my sister who have drastically different body types, um, which is great for fit models. <laughs> like, right. I'm like, I have, I have small B's, my sister has D's, and my mom has like double E's. So it was a really, it was like good to differentiate the bras and like what worked for me didn't work for my mom. And so we really came to like our final product that way. And, um, so yeah, it definitely looks good. You can take it from me, someone who is small chested. I think it's super flattering. It doesn't show your nipples, but it still gives you the shape you need to look sexy in a bra top. Perfect. And where will the line be sold? You'll be able to get the line on fatbuddhaware.com, which is Fat Buddha's site, and we have exclusives just for us. And then we're also selling at Bandier, which I'm so pumped about, both in their Southampton and Manhasset locations, and potentially three other retailers that I have not signed the contract yet, so I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but really, big. I'll give a hint that it's big retailers that I work with like daily. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really exciting. It's really fun. And it's also been interesting to see, um, you know, how my audience responds to not only me showing trends and styles and products that I love, but also how, what they want to see from me with my own collection. Great. Okay. So we are going to do a round of rapid fire. Awesome. So I will ask you some questions. They'll be either or. Some of them will be open-ended. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Talking or texting? Talking. I'm the worst texter. <laughs> Favorite holiday? Halloween. <laughs> How long does it take you to get ready? Two minutes. Invisibility or mind reading? Mind reading for sure. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Oh, it's so bad. Five. <laughs> I am the worst. Like, it's a part of the reason I could not keep my line a secret, and I just, like, posted the photo. Like, I was, like, I get so excited. When I dance, I look like? Uh, I think in my head I look like J-Lo, but in reality I look like like a dragon on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite TV channel? Bravo. Is a vegetarian allowed to eat animal <laughs> This one cracks me up. Okay, I originally <laughs> said no because it's just like the thought. Like I, I also don't understand how vegetarians have products that are test wear products that are tested on animals. Like doesn't compute in my head. But now I have to say it's so ridiculous. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cookie. It's a lot flour butter. It's not a beef jerky. I know, but it's like, I know so, like, okay, I have people in my family that are vegan that I'm like, oh, so what makeup product are the, you wearing? And they're like, Maybelline. So I'm like, mm, so you know that's, like, made, like, your lipstick is made from crushed beetles and, like, all this, like, it's just, like, but I also think people don't really know as much about ingredients in products as they do about ingredients in food. Very true. Very true. Yeah, I agree. I mean, ugh. Yeah, crushed beetles. I don't even think I knew that shit. That's yeah, there's, like, a lot. Like, what goes into bronzer? Like, you don't even want to know. Oh, my god. It's, like, really gross. But I also think that's – I'm so, like, 
I love that you guys have this podcast because I think that there's so much that needs to be told about the beauty industry and ingredients. And we're so into as a country, I feel like health and what's in our food and what we're eating and blah, blah, blah. I'm putting all the ingredients out there. But yet we see words on beauty products and we have no idea what they mean. Exactly. And like, we're at the point where we're constantly trying to figure out like, okay, what does this mean? Like, actually, like, what does this actually mean? Mm -hmm. So our final question, and it's sad to see you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, I'll get on with it. Our final question is, why does beauty need you? I, I think beauty needs me because I'm a very um, honest voice in the industry. I'm never someone who will partner with a brand just because it's a big brand. I will always test and try the products out. And I think that, and I hope that my audience realizes that by now, um, that I will never promote a product or a brand unless I truly love and use it myself. Great. Kate, thanks again. This was a great conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. And that wraps another episode of Beauty Meets Me.